Welcome to the Wild Grand Rapids message of the week. We hope you're encouraged, strengthened, and experience the presence of God through this message by Apostle Kathy L. Ali. You guys ready? Today is a new day. Today I will be transformed by the presence of God, by the power of God, and by the word of God. Never to be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Wow. That was fun. Um, I have one more announcement, too, I want to talk about. Um, We've been getting a lot of questions asked to us, and um, there are uh, times when I've met with other leaders, and it's become a very hot topic amongst churches and amongst amongst leaders as well. And that is um, how to effectively minister to the LGBTQ. And um, so we are going to be having an all-day workshop, um, and it's going to be, let me look at the date, Saturday, February 8th from 9 to 4 p.m. And we're going to be hosting Lori Krieg, which we met with her. Um, she's the executive director of Hole in, uh, Hole in My Heart Ministries and her husband, um, Matt, as well. And um, they have a phenomenal testimony. She spent most of her life um, just experiencing same-sex attraction. And um, just the, all of the shame that came with that. And um, she has a powerful testimony of how she walked out of that and into truth um, through understanding the storyline of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there will be conversation, there will be um, Q&A time where you can ask questions and things like that as well. Um, I've also been doing and will be passing along to the leadership here. Uh, Moral Revolution has one as well um, about how to um, minister and how to bring people into the church and um, love on them and heal them and restore them. Amen? And so um, I, there is a charge for that. It is $35 a person, and college students are just $20. So we just want you guys to be thoroughly equipped and understand that whenever we bring anyone in and we do any type of conference at all or any kind of workshop, there may be things that they say that we may not completely 100% agree with, but that's okay, right? We're gonna eat the what? Eat the meat, spit out the bones. But um, there will be some really good, valuable, and powerful tools for you guys, okay? So mark your calendars. You can go online or on our app and uh, register that way, or you can register at the bridge as well. Amen? All right. So I was Tuesday night. uh, We were here praying. And if you have never been here on a Tuesday night for prayer, it's just, it's so amazing um, to be a part of the kingdom of God and to be able to partner with Jesus and partner with the Holy Spirit to see the kingdom of God displayed in our midst. Amen. And so we get to come together and we partner to do that. And while I was praying, I was, um, I was sitting and I was um, asking the Lord, I said, you know, this time of year isn't necessarily a joyful time for everybody. And for some people, it's very difficult. You know that there's the highest um, amount of suicides happen during this season. There's more heart attacks and strokes during this season than any other season. 
Because of the pressure um, and because some of the loneliness, the isolation when you have lost a loved one, um, you know, life doesn't stop. You know, just because you're going through the holidays, um, you know, people get divorced. Um, they're, they've, maybe they don't live at home anymore. And there's just a lot of different things that go on. Life can be hard and life can be messy. And, and so as I was asking God about that, I said, you know, what, what does this look like? And I saw these words, first, God. And I was like, okay, first, God. And the way that I saw it, I saw the number one, and I saw God written out. And so I started thinking about that. And he said, what would it be like if you, in your life, no matter what you're going through, you just say, first God. And what does that look like to put God first? And so I want to talk a little bit about that. And in Psalm, um, if you could turn in your Bibles to Psalm 68, verse 5. You guys doing good? I, um, one of the things that when we put God first, and I'll get, I'm going to get into this more, but um, God didn't create Adam. He created Adam and Eve. Because God puts us into family. And I believe one of the displays that we have when we put God first is that we're never alone. It says in Psalm 68, 5, 6, the father, he's a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary or the lonely in families, and he brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious will dwell in a dry land. And the reason why that is is because they're not heeding to the word of God, and they become um, stubborn and stiff-necked, and they will literally just feel as though they're in a parched and dry place. But when you have a heart that's set after God, and you say, I'm going to put God first, what happens is that he puts you, the lonely, into family. One of the ways that God displays his love is through family. I remember when I was going through some difficult times in my life and somebody would say to me, and it was a, they meant well and it was meant to be comforting. They said, well, you have God. That's true, but I needed people. And one of the ways that God shows his love is not just by me getting into an isolated place and into my secret place, but one of the ways that he shows me love is by putting me within family. One of the ways he displays his love is about how I treat other people and how people are treating me. So how, it says, how will they know that we are his disciples? By the way that we love one another. Amen? And so when we put God first, we should be putting love first. And then when he, that's how we get to see the display of God's goodness. And I firmly believe that it's one of the things that God wants to use more than anything else is that we would be a non-judgmental, non-critical body of believers that would love the unlovable. It is easy to love those who are loving you. It is so much harder to love the people who are not loving you. But you can, and you can only do it through the grace of God. You can only do it to the measure that you are standing with him and that you are abiding in his presence. Amen? Amen. So turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. I want to look into what it looks like to live a life that puts God first. And what does that mean to us? It doesn't, again, it doesn't mean just having this ooey-gooey feeling of his presence with us. I love that, and I long for that, and I, 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 I love knowing that he is with me. But it's displaying his character in and through my life is how we put God first. 
How I treat my family, how I treat um, my, the stranger on the street is how I put God first. I don't just, it's not just a saying where we say, hey, first God. It's like, how am I displaying the fact that God is first in my life? I don't have to tell you that God is first. You should be able to see that God is first in my life by the way that I am treating the people that are around me, by the way that I conduct business, by the way that um, I'm, I'm driving in my car, by the way that I, I talk to the little children that are around me. First God, amen, say first God. So I'm gonna read um, actually out of the, trans the Passion Translation. I love this, listen to this. Verse one, look at how much encouragement you've found in your relationship with the Anointed One. You are filled to overflowing with his comforting love. How many of you have experienced God's comforting love? Where it's just like you're just overflowing with this unbelievable amount of his love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit, and you have felt his tender affection and mercy. So, I'm asking you, my friends, that you would be joined together in perfect unity, with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. Be free from pride-filled opinions. You know, I wanna stop there for just a second because I think it is so important that when we're displaying God first, that we're not giving our opinion. That our opinion, it's, it's important that our opinion lines up with what the word of God says, amen? And we can liken this to many different things in life, like how you raise your children should line up with what the word of God says. It says, you know, I mean, I think it's, it's not good to spoil your children because if you're spoiling your children, you're leading them into a a life of entitlement and they're never going to understand what it looks like to actually have to work for what it is that they're going to um, it says if you don't eat if you don't work you don't eat amen and so we don't want to spoil our children we want to live and operate according to what the word of God says and that's how we put God first it's how we're going to see the kingdom of God displayed in our midst it is in the supernatural but it's also in the natural it's how we display the goodness of God around us do you pray for your president or do you just call names? Amen. Because whether you like it or not, God is the one that put him in office. And it's always so important that we honor, it says the word says, not your opinion, the word says that you're to honor those who rule over you. And so that looks like doing something, that looks like praying, and that looks like supporting, and that looks like if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Amen? And so as Christians, as believers, if we don't have something that's edifying to say, it's the word says it's better that we just keep quiet. Amen? So let's display, what are we doing? We're putting God first. It says, be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. You can tell right away, because disunity comes in when somebody tries to give their opinions about something. And so we want to keep our opinions down. We want to keep aligned by putting God first. Say, first God. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but be authentic in humility. Put others first. Say others. others. And view others as more important than yourself. If you're number one in your life, you need to get off of the pedestal. And you need to fi figure out why you are so important to yourself. Because what you need to be doing is it needs to be who? First God. And then what? And then others. 
So we're supposed to put others, we're supposed to honor others more highly than we do ourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness, say selfishness. So we don't wanna, we don't wanna look like a bunch of selfish, childish, stubborn people because we're entering into a season and an era where this isn't going to just be a message, this is actually going to be a, a, a movement of his goodness and a movement of the love of God. Look, what got me saved was not hearing some great doctrine and some new theology. It wasn't hearing what your new revelation was out of the word of God. What got me saved was hearing and experiencing the love of God. It's what broke my heart for him. It's what made me know that all, anything I've ever done or ever will do, that God has provided the price for it, that his blood has washed me white as snow. Come on, that's good news. That God is first, because first is God, amen? All right, now turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. I've been thinking about this a lot lately because of the fact that I know in my life when I've been around um, difficult people or in difficult circumstances, it's amazing how they can affect you. It's amazing how, how often other people's words or actions can affect you. And so I thought, how do I operate in life and be able to continue doing what it is that God's called me to do without allowing the opinions of man and what other people are doing to directly affect me? And the Lord said to me, first God, and the only way that we can do that is by putting him first, and the only way that we can do that is by understanding who we are and whose we are, and the only way that we can do that is to the measure that we abide in him and that his love will cause us to be able to love the people who are even unlovable does that make sense first john chapter 4 verse 20 um, says if someone says i love god and hates his brother he is a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen how can he love god whom he has not seen And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So that sounds like we're putting God first. This is the first and the great commandment, but the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So it's one thing to tell somebody that you love them, but it's another thing to act that out in action. That you display the goodness of God through action. That we get to display God's love through action, through our words, through our lifestyle, so that people can see that, hey, we actually are putting God first. That he's the one that's reigning supreme. That we love people as much as we love God and as much as we love ourselves. It says that the second commandment is just as important as the first. Often people will say, you know what, oh, you know, like ministers, I I get a kick out of, they'll be like, I just love ministry if it weren't for people. And I'm like, that's not a good thing to say, (laughs) because we're supposed to love people to the same measure and the same degree that we actually love God, not more. But it says that the second commandment is just as important as the first. 
And so when we look at that and we put ourselves down here, instead of putting ourselves up here, what we'll have is a real display of kingdom. And when you do that, this seems like a small thing, but honestly, I, I don't often see it displayed. That when you are actually having to sacrifice yourself, when you actually don't get to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, because you are putting somebody else first, that speaks volumes to the people that are around you. And it can transform your neighborhood. It can, it, it, it can transform your workplace. It can transform your home. It makes a huge difference when we operate out of this. And we say, God, we want to put you first by putting others before ourselves. Um, I want to talk a little bit about fear. And we, we talked a little bit about it last, uh, last week. But I was thinking about how we've been talking about like every member mobilization, that every member in the body of Christ is, is a priest, you're a king, you're a minister of God, that you get to be used of God to go out and bring the good news of Jesus Christ to the people that are around you, amen? You get to prophesy, you get to pray for people, you get to see people get healed, you get to see people get saved. It's, it's an amazing thing. But there's also this thing called fear. And fear involves torment. And fear can cause you not to be able to really live out the fullness of, of, of what God has for you in your life. And listen to this. I thought this was interesting. Look at some words that are similar to the word fear. Anxiety, worry, fret, distress, agitation, tension, and irritability. Everyone's like, ooh, maybe I've got some fear. Um, this is a quote um, from Dr. Charles Mayo um, from the Mayo Clinic. It says, worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, and the whole nervous system. He said, I have never met a man or known a man to die of overwork, but I have known a lot who died of worry. It literally changes the structure within your nervous system, your glands, your heart. And so if, if you find yourself in that state where you're constantly thinking and worrying about tomorrow, what you're saying is that your anxiety level is, is like it's an indicator of what your trust level is with God. The, the, look at where your anxiety is, and you can see where you trust God. Now turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not more value than are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to its stature? So when you look at your, your life and you're worrying, how is that benefiting you? Mm -mm. So you can see Jesus, he's sitting on a mountain and he's talking to um, the disciples and he's talking to all of the people that are following him. And he's pointing and he's like, look at the birds in the air. And he's, he's saying, look at them. Your father is feeding them. Don't you think he can take care of your food as well? So I think that 
when we look at the fact that God cares so much more about us than what we understand and that we can trust him, then we're not going to worry and fret about where our finances are going to come from. We're not going to worry and fret whether or not we're going to have enough uh, money in our bank account because we trust the fact that we're putting our hands to what we need to put our hands to and that God is going to be faithful. He, I have never in my life ever, not once since I have been serving God, found myself without something. He's always been faithful. It's been like barely. There's been times it was like very minimal, but yet he was always there and he was always faithful. So in the area of finances, I have always been been able to trust him because I've seen him get tested over and over and over again. And he's been faithful over and over and over again. Amen. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. So now he's looking at all the flowers that are around him. He's pointing out to all of his disciples. He says, look, look at all of these lilies that are out here in the field. How they grow. They're neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory was arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all of these things. But say this with me, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." I've been in conversations with people where they're thinking about what's going to happen six months down the road. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Can we just live today? <laughs> like their, their, their minds are always going and there's fear and there's worry and there's torment. And, and, and I'm thinking, let's just stop for just a moment and just take a deep breath. And know that we can trust God. Why is it that you can trust God with your salvation, but you can't trust God to pay a bill? Do you want to know what I think it is? I think it's because salvation just seems out there so far. We think salvation is like, for some of us, it's like, oh, maybe like 40 years down the road, 20 years down the road, you know, maybe 50 years down the road. You're thinking it's way down there. But you know what? None of us are promised tomorrow. So what would happen if, I mean, your salvation is important. So we need to say, okay, I trust God with my salvation. I trust him with my soul that if tomorrow I don't wake up, that I will wake up to be and I will be with Jesus. I may not be here with you, but I will be there with him. If I trust him that he can save my soul, can I not trust the fact that he's going to provide for me in other ways? Can I not trust the fact that when he said that he sets the lonely in families, that I can trust that the family that he has set me in that it's going to be a good family. They're going to be faithful to me. They're going to love me. They're going to honor me. They're going to respect me. Can I trust the fact that God can do that? We have to believe that he is first. We have, to, we have to have an understanding that when I put God first, that he knows who my spouse is going to be. For those of you who are single, you don't have to sit and fret and think about, oh my gosh, where, do, where should I go? Should I go online to this um, site? Should I do this? Should I do that? How, you know, fret, 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 worry, 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 worry. I'm 29, I'm still not married. It's okay. It's okay. And for some of you, God gives you a gift where you're, you get to be single. <laughs> You 
don't have to worry about cooking for anybody else or doing their laundry. <laughs> you got to talk to a married couple for a little while. <laughs> All of a sudden, the single life will look a little bit better. No, just kidding. <laughs> but you have to trust. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get a talking to after this one. <laughs> Be praying for me. <laughs> You have to trust God in these other areas of your life. You have to trust the fact that, you know, if you've ever been hurt, I mean, we've all been hurt, you have to be willing to be hurt again. The loneliest thing is to guard your heart to the point where you say, I will never let that happen again. Because you've just not only locked out people, you've locked out God. Because for some reason, we compartmentalize our relationship with God as something that I can have over here just by myself. But he didn't just make Adam, he made Adam and Eve because he wanted a family. And he wants you to be a part of a family. He didn't say, just love me. He said, I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you take care of yourself, don't you? You get up in the morning, you shower, you take care of yourself, you're thinking about yourself. You're supposed to take care of your neighbor just as much. And you're supposed to love them on the same level that you love God. Not more, but as much. And then for a lot of people, that's a, that's a tilter for the head. But it's true. We're supposed to honor one another. We're supposed to support one another. We're supposed to trust the fact that if you get hurt, that God is more than able to heal you again. My heart has been broken several times by man. And each time, I don't know, it's the grace of God. Somehow I can I pick that thing up. I put it all right back together, put it right back in there. And I say, okay, God, here we go again. And, and, it, and sometimes it can feel like a daily thing, but I want to trust the fact that God is good and that he is able to heal me over and over and over again. And it creates a resilience in you. It creates a godly character in you. It creates something that you could not have if you hadn't gone through some of the long sufferings, some of the pain and some of the trials. It says that he suffered at all points just as we do. How about some of you, this time of year, you don't have family members. I know um, for some reason I've been thinking about my father a lot lately um, because he passed last year. And I don't know if I just never really mourned it fully or something, but all of a sudden it's hitting me this year. And I think about, I, I I can't see him anymore. I can't look at his face. And we all have those family members, whether it be a brother or a sister, an aunt or an uncle, a mother or a father. The reality of it is that the people that are next to you, whether you know them well or not, you don't know if you'll see them tomorrow. And I don't know why people hold grudges. I don't know why people don't just love the way that Jesus loves. Because it's so the most important, most valuable, precious gift that we will ever have in this lifetime are people. It's not a new sweater. It's not your car. It's not your home. It's not your business. It's people. It's family. And I remember, and I I remind um, Pastor Matthew about this, not as often now, but if I see it, I will, I, I will remind him of it, that he started um, his business not to make money. 
I mean, of course, he wanted to make money, but I mean, that wasn't his goal. His thought process was never, I'm going to start this and I'm going to make a lot of money. He said, I need to have a normal life where I'm not spending so much time at work so I can spend time with my family. And he put God first by doing that because he honored his family over himself. And so he started his first um, store, and then I, now, now he's starting his second restaurant. And I'll remind him, remember, it's not about how much money you're making. It's about the fact that you started this so you could be with family. And that's kept a core value of his. That every time he's made decisions, he's made decisions based on his family, not his needs, not what he wanted, but his family. Does that make sense? And when your businesses make decisions that are not based on the bottom dollar, make decisions that are based on what's good for your family, what's good for the people that are around you. Because your business, it could be here today, gone tomorrow, but so could your family. Amen? It's important that we get our priorities straight, that we put God first. That's what life looks like. And that's when worry and fret and anxiety all goes away because you're saying, God, I don't just trust you with my salvation. I don't just trust you with my soul. I trust you with every aspect of who I am. I trust you with the fact that I know that if I give up um, working extra hours, come on, some of you just have to work less. You need to work less hours. You need to spend time with the precious gifts that God has given you. Are you listening to me? You need to stop and smell the roses, so to speak. I never heard one person, Billy Graham, he even said this. He said, the only thing that he regretted that he didn't say no more often so that he could have more time with family. Don't let that be your regret. Amen? And also, I feel this too, that for some of you who... Maybe some people have passed in your life, and I know I didn't get the chance to say some things to my dad. I wish I would have. But you can't live in regret either. You have to give that over to the Lord and trust him with it. And again, what are we talking about? We're saying, God, I know you can heal my heart. And we have to be willing to let our heart continually be vulnerable so that God can continually heal us over and over again. We have to be willing to let our heart. Some of you hitting it really hard. We have to be willing to let our heart be vulnerable and allow God to be the one that brings healing. Amen? Proverbs 3, chapter 5, or verse 5. My um, grandmother um, wrote this in a Bible and I had my um, confirmation because I grew up Episcopalian and so a lot of people gave me like money and cards and my grandma gave me a Bible. I was like, oh brother. And so I, I didn't know the Lord at all. I was just like, I'd, I'd just go and I'd sit at church and I'd be like, oh my gosh, how much longer? And then I knew we were going to eat afterwards so that's what I looked forward to. And so um, she gave me this Bible, and she wrote in it, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Another translation says steps. 
Um, and I remember I was in a really, um, I was living in um, Waterloo, Iowa, and this, um, this Bible had gone with me through like so many different moves. I don't know why I would always pack it, but I'd always pack it. And one day, I was, I was uh, heavily addicted to, um, to drugs, and at that point, I, went, I wasn't an alcoholic because I, an alcoholic is someone who just keeps drinking and doesn't stop. I just drank because I wanted to um, numb the pain. And so um, I thought to myself, life can't get any harder than it is right now. So I might as well grab this Bible and look at it. And I opened it up, and those verses were there. And I remembered my grandma. I could hear her voice in my head saying, Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your steps. And I was like, huh. And it was a seed that was sown. And it wasn't too much after that that I had um, gotten saved by listening to a story of Noah's Ark. I know it's really weird. Um, but Jesus got put in there somehow. And, um, and I just gave my life over to the Lord. And this Bible is still with me today. And I remember thinking that she was faithful to give me something that she knew I didn't want, but she knew that I needed. Amen. And that Bible and that, those scriptures verses right there are something that if we live by that, if we could live by the fact that in all of my ways, I will acknowledge him. In all of my ways, I will put him first. In all of my ways, I will say, God, what is it that you are saying right now? On all of my ways, I would say, Holy Spirit, what is it that's on your heart right now? In all of your ways, in all of your ways, in all of your ways, I will not lean on my own understanding. I will not lean on what I think is right. I will not lean Lean on what I think is valuable. I will not lean on fear and anxiety and fret and worry. I will not lean on those things. I will only lean on what he has spoken to me, to me personally, through him, through his still small voice, or through his word. But I will trust the fact that when he said that the righteous will never be found begging bread, that I will never be found begging bread. Begging bread. I will always have more than enough that he will sustain me, that he knows how to heal my physical body. He also knows how to heal my heart. He knows how to heal my soul. He knows how to take rejection out of the midst of me. You know what? When you put God first, insecurity becomes security. All of a sudden, you become the most secure person because you know, you know that no matter what, that God puts the lonely in family and that you will never be alone because you're part of a whole heavenly body, a whole beautiful family. You're never, ever again going to be alone. So this holiday season and this Christmas, when people are, if you feel as though, woe is me, I'm all alone, I'm all isolated, just remember, you are not. That's a lie from the pit of hell, and you can tell the devil where he's going, and you can say, nope, God has set the lonely in family, and I'm a part of a big, beautiful family. Amen? Come on, give God praise. Now turn with me. I want to look at Solomon for a moment. Chapter 3. Verse 5, it says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask, what shall I give you? Now, you don't, have to, don't, you don't have to say it out loud. Next week will be your participation time. But if God appeared to you in a dream and he said, ask, 
what I will give to you. What would you say? You have to be really honest with yourself. Like, what would you say? Like, I would be like, well, could you pay off the church building? And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him and you have given him a son to sit on the throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of the father David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours. The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked for riches for yourself, nor have asked for life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice, behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and an understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall anyone be like you arise after you. And I have given, also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so, have, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all of your days. It sounds like to me that Solomon put God first. He seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Because he put God first, God not only gave him the wisdom and the understanding heart, which is what he asked for, he gave him all this other stuff as well, just to prove to him that because he put him first, that he was going to add everything else to him. How many of you believe that if God is going to do that for him, that he would do that for you? It says in his word that if we seek him first, all these other things will be added to you. If you seek all of these other things and you're not putting him first, then you may get some of these other things, but they're not going to be because God gave them to you. It will be because you worked so hard and stressed out so much and worried and fretted and did all those things that you had them and that you obtained them, but it may not be because God wants you to have them. But if you put God first and you seek him first, then all these other things will be added. Come on, how many of you want wisdom? I would love to have wisdom that is beyond my years, that is beyond my earthly experiences, that I could have the wisdom that would create wealth so that I could use the wealth that God, that God would give us to be able to advance his kingdom upon the earth. How about wisdom to, that, that would be such a, a creative force that we would be able to dis rightly discern people's situations and problems because we are operating with the wisdom of heaven instead of the wisdom in this, of this earth and the earth systems. What if it, I mean, come on, how many of you knew that you needed one of these? I never knew I needed one of these until I had one. I never knew I needed this until I had one.
Microsoft, Apple, they created a whole different life for us because the computer was so huge that it would take up all this room right here and then you would have this big old lunk thing that would sit on a desktop and you were going to carry it around in your briefcase. But somebody had a dream. Somebody saw something. Somebody saw that it could, life could look different and that every person could have a computer that would sit upon their desk. Why not operate on a level of wisdom that can only come from the creator because he's the one that created you and I. We, you know, we tap into such a very small part of our brain. That's because we're so focused on us. We're so focused on what's going on around in our little world that we can't look outside of that to actually see what it is that God is saying. Yeah. <laughs> So many people need, need, say need. I mean, we can get so caught up in the fact that we come on Sundays and then we just do whatever we want to do all week long. But I had a dream, and I haven't told uh, any of the leaders this yet, but I had a dream, and I had it several times this week. And usually if I have a dream more than once, I know for sure that it's God. But I've had dreams every night. And I, I haven't had dreams like this for how long? And it's all been about all of you. And one of the dreams, I gathered together all of my uh, volunteers, the, the VSDs, um, the executive leadership team, and we gathered over into like a, this great big huddle. And I started just preaching out of them. And I said, look, you were born for revival. Don't forget, you're living your life as though revival's not going to come. You're living your life as though Jesus is not going to return. And I just started going at it. And I said, we've got to get to the Father's business that there's so many people that need to know who Jesus Christ is, not this little figure that we've created, blonde hair and blue eyes and pale skin. He was actually Middle Eastern. He probably had a big nose. He was dark-skinned. He had dark hair. Come on. We have to, we have to actually give them Jesus Christ full of love, that we're not judgmental, that we're not critical, that our words are actually speaking life, that our words are actually producing fruit, godly fruit, and not death. So I have this stream, and I'm like, we, we all meet like this on a Sunday. And it's like we're coming and we're worshiping and we're listening. We're listening to what Holy Spirit has to say. He's like, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? And we're not just getting a feel-good message. We're not just getting pumped up for the rest of our week. And it was like, it was like this, this real tangible presence of God. And then we, we, it was noon, and we said, okay, everybody, we'll see you back here at 3 o'clock. And everybody dispersed. And the order was that you were supposed to go out and you had to find people that you could minister the love of God to. And whatever that looked like. Some people came back with testimonies of healing. Some people came back with testimonies of I just paid for somebody's groceries. Somebody came back with this testimony. But then what happened is that at 3 o'clock, it doubled in size. And I said, this is what we were born for, for such a time as this. And that was it. Over and over, the same dream. God wants us to know how amazing we are. He also wants us to understand that when we put him first, people are first. He wants us to understand that your life is not your own, that you don't get to do whatever you want to do with your life. It's his. It's his. 
And he wants to use you to display his love to your family, to your neighbors, to your coworkers. He's good. Can we give him praise? Wow, that allowed me to drink so much water. Can you do that? Can you give some praise? You guys are fun. All right. So let's remember. I'm going to do a recap. Your anxiety level is a good indicator of how much you really trust the Lord. Know that the most precious gift that you have are the people that are in your life. That you can't, it's the only thing that we take with us are souls. And know that no one's promised tomorrow that we're to live today to the best of our ability with his grace. Don't take each other for granted. Don't take your loved ones for granted. And for those of you who, you've had someone that has gone on to be with the Lord, or maybe you don't know if they're with the Lord, allow your heart to feel the pain so that God can heal the pain. You have to feel it in order to heal it. There's no other way around it, because eventually it'll come to the surface. And I think that for me, with my father, I didn't feel the pain. And so now I'm feeling the pain and I'm healing the pain, amen? Even though it's a year later, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how long it's been. Allow God, be tender. If it's someone that's been gone for 20 years and there's still something in your heart, just be tender before the Lord. He's, he's gentle, he's loving, he's kind. And he will be there to bring complete and total restoration in your heart. And they might not have that opportunity. I'm really strong on this, because I think there's somebody here that this is you. You may not have that opportunity to say anything to them, but you can say it to God. And you can release it. There are, um, I know that I'm gonna write a letter to my father. And you can release that. And you, can, and you can believe God that somehow they know. I don't have a theology for that, so don't ask me where the chapter and the verse is. But it brings healing. I know this, that there is a cloud of witnesses. And I believe that my father's there. So daddy may be hearing me now. Amen. Amen. You stand to your feet, please. <sighs> the good father. We're going to put God first. Amen? Amen. Put him first. You'll never, ever, ever, ever go wrong. You'll have the most fulfilling, happy, joyful, less stressful, anxious life when you just choose to put him first. So Father, our challenge as we go forward is that we'll stop ourselves in the middle of our day and say, first God. First God. 
and that we can trust you with every area of our life. If we can trust you with our salvation, we can trust you with everything else. And God, I thank you for all of the precious gifts that we have in people. I thank you for the unique abilities and the creativity that everybody uh, has and that we get to honor those who rule over us. We get to honor our brother and sister in Christ and we get to be a light in a world that needs light. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about the Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.